Hi, friends. Hello, should I delete that, listeners? We still have some tickets left for our live tour and we would absolutely love to see you there. On Thursday, the 23rd of May, we will be performing in the London Islington Assembly Hall. On Monday, the 27th of May, we will be in Salford. On Tuesday, the 28th of May, we'll be in Glasgow. Sunday, the 2nd of June, Birmingham. Monday, the 3rd of June, Bristol. And Tuesday, the 4th of June in Southampton. You can get your tickets at aegpresents.co.uk or via the link in the show notes or our Instagram bios. We really hope we see you there. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Oh my god, why did I post that? Ah, I don't know what to do! Should I delete that? Yeah, you should definitely delete that. (laughs) You know, I saw something on Instagram, you might have seen it, about um, how all virtual assistants, like Alexa and the Google one, and all of these robot voices are all women. And it's because, like, there was this massive thing about how, like, we're used to, like, women. I think it was Vulgar Drawings on Instagram did this amazing thread about it. We'll share it on our Instagram. Should I delete that Instagram? But it's, like, how, like, we're conditioned to, like, associate women with doing the household tasks. So when you're, like, asking Alexa to, like, make your shopping list or whatever, it's, like, you're, you're, talking, you're telling a woman to do all of these things. You're joking. No, it literally blew. I was reading it. I was like, oh my God. Do you know God. what? I I think I saved that post. It was really late. And I was like, it looks too deep for me to read that right now. But I'm saving <laughs> yeah. that to read later. Uh, yeah, you will have done. I think I did. I, I saw it like three times before I read it. And then I read it and I was like, whoa. Like, Sometimes threads, I'm like, I just can't. Yeah, like I know I should, but I can't. Yeah, falling out of love with my Alexa. Yeah. We'll share it on the, oh my God, um, should yeah. I delete that page? But it's like, it's nuts. When you realise, because like even because and, and I think it's like fat navs and like even the Zoom woman. That's what just reminded me of it. And I think it's like it, it, you get nagged by the woman, like you know, because we get annoyed with them. Like with the sat nav, we always get annoyed with her. It's like of course we do. <gasps> oh my god! Of course we get annoyed oh my with god. her. Of course she's so annoying. It like literally my head just like fell out of my ears. I was like, oh my god. <laughs> Pop. Oh my god, it's so true. It is so true. The Why? only exception is Siri, I suppose. But he's fucking hopeless. Yes, <laughs> yes. They said, yeah, weirdly Briti- British series default voice is a man, but it's literally the only one UK leading the way, I guess. Wow, so in <laughs> America, Siri's a woman. Oh my god, in America, Sim- Siri's Siri a woman. woman. How fluid, I love that. Yeah, oh, really no, weird. Oh no, we've activated... We've activated my Siri on everything. Hang on. Oh, shit. Stop saying I'll, it. Ask him when plastic was invented. <laughs> yeah, that's the only time like, Siri's come into my life and he was fucking mansplaining to me. Typical. Typical. Fucking typical. Do you want to make me look like an idiot? Hi, Hi everyone. Hello. Welcome to, Welcome like, to really I early, early in the morning and I'm just like... So anyway, the virtual world is sexist. <laughs> Morning! <laughs> oh, good, good though, considering today's guest. We're on a theme. 
Such a good thing. It's well done. Well done. Tying it in accidental, very well. accidental, but I'll take it. Thank you very much. <laughs> oh, I'm excited for this one. It's good, actually. Yeah. Um, apart from the bowling alley that we recorded in. Less said about that, the better, I reckon. Yeah. <laughs> How are you? I'm really, really good. Like, yeah? I haven't I can been tell. this happy. I know. I honestly, I haven't been this happy in ages. I just feel you like I could, seem I could cry. Like a different person. Like you just seem so so happy. Thank you. I am. I literally I'm really good. I after we recorded the other day, um, obviously so we recorded last week on Thursday night. I announced that I was pregante on Friday, and then this episode came out on Monday. Yeah. And just before just just as I left the recording for last week, I went to go and have a life coaching session with Jacqueline because I was a fucking mess and I think sorry it's bin day so if you hear bins then it's because we're recording so early in the morning the, the bit like still bin day anyway <laughs> my fault um, sorry <laughs> no, no, no drama it's pleasure um see I'm so happy nothing could bring me down I don't, I don't care when I record at like midnight fine um yeah I just I had um I had a coaching session and I really worked through my shit basically and I feel so relieved I think you want to be deep we'll just let's just be deep okay go on hit us so I think what was going on is that when you're pregnant and you haven't done that before maybe even if you have I don't know but I felt like very out of control in one sense like I was like what the fuck is happening to my body like I've got very little control over that and I think like subconsciously or consciously whatever I've been very much controlling everything else and trying to like hold on to control of every element of my life that I can and a big part of that was with Instagram and like not telling Instagram or whatever and I just sorry I'm gonna just gonna have a little sick sick in my mouth Cheeky sick. Cheeky sick. Um, <laughs> so going strong. People keep DMing me, being like, don't worry, first trimester, like, as soon as the first trimester ends, it'll end. I was like, you guys, catch up. <laughs> we, are, we are. We are way past the Weeks that. ahead of that. Um, anyway, yeah, and I think I was just basically holding on very tightly to control and not healthy, but I think a big part of that as well was like controlling what people thought of me, um, which is impossible. Um, yeah. And. So Thursday night, I literally just listened to Jacqueline for like an hour and I just wrote down everything she said. Honestly, my no- I was tempted to take a photo of my notebook because <laughs> it was like, I was like, it was so, like, it was so lame, but it, it was really working. I was like, I can't control this. Like what other people think of me isn't my business. Like, why do I care? Like, why do I care so much about all this stuff and then I, I just don't know I, I don't know and basically I realised that like my knuckles are just like white from holding on so tightly for the last five months and I just let go yeah. and I feel so relieved I was thinking this yesterday I was like on my silly little walk around the park and I was just and my stupid back hurts and I was really sick and I didn't even care I was just like <laughs> I'm free <laughs> like I'm free <laughs> and I just feel really happy so woohoo that's really good. That's really good news. Yeah. yeah. I, I often think with those things, like the inter- in- anticipation can build so, like it can build so much in your own head and it be- can become something else. Like it be- beca- can become something so big. And yeah, it feels like you, and, and actually weirdly, 
probably it was a false sense of control that you had because actually this thing had become so big that it was control had control over you anyway hundred no a hundred percent i had like who the fuck was i kidding i was a complete like i was a slave to these feelings and my phone and i was getting into really toxic patterns like i was going out and like looking for things to hurt me which is not that hard to do when you work online and i was finding them and i have been in a very very bad space with that yeah so I had no control I don't know who the fuck I thought I was kidding myself lol um (laughs) and I I was telling all of you guys I was like I know what I'm doing I did not I did not know what I was doing I was a mess so um yeah I've like put aside put aside all of that and we're just focusing on the good shit and you know what I know now like people are so great Al like everyone's been so fucking nice because people are so wonderful like aren't people so nice it's so nice. Like, I literally just love them so... I just love everyone so much. I was like, oh my God. Oh my God, everyone's amazing. Like, this is going to yeah. be so the- jarring for people to listen to on a Monday morning. They'll be tired, <laughs> it'll be cold and rainy, and I'm like, isn't the world amazing? So, the people are so nice. <laughs> That's really good news. I'm very happy for you. It's about time a bit of thriving <laughs> came in. About time you shared the fuck up. It's a really weird thing, though, because I have to caveat all of this and say, like... The pregnancy's been quite rough in terms of the sickness and my emotions haven't been good, but I've loved being pregnant, perversely. Like, I wouldn't, I don't, I wouldn't change anything. I mean, well, I would, but I wouldn't. You know what I mean? Like, it's absolutely fine. So I just, I don't want people, because people DM me, I don't know, like, I don't want people to think that I'm, like, having a horrible time because I'm not. I've had a difficult time, but I think everybody has a difficult time because I think that's just part of the experience. But I wouldn't change it for the world. Um, yeah. So I was never sad about being pregnant. I just want to say that. Like I was, I was sad. I was like, that's always been so, 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 so happy. It was just everything else that was yeah. sad. Whereas now everything's yeah. fucking great. So amazing. I, I, I feel like I've taken drugs. I haven't taken. Oh drugs. my god! I feel like you've given some to me. You're like you've cheered <laughs> me up. Bloody hell! <laughs> so is that your good? Oh hell yeah! I'm thriving. Okay. Love I'm thriving. It. What's yours? You got anything good? Or by contrast, do you want to bring us down? Do you want to give me a bar? Hit me. No, no. Do you know what? I'm gonna give. I'm gonna give a good that I have. For some reason, like I, it was my good like three weeks ago, but I keep forgetting about it. Not forgetting about it. I don't keep forgetting about it, but I keep thinking, oh my God, that's my good, because I really want to share it, because it was a real good in the moment. But other things have kept coming up. So this is my belated good, right? So. When we were in New York, we w- walked past this stranger... It's called The Strangers Project. Have yeah. you heard of it? No. Where people write anonymous letters, right? And and you just get to read these letters, right? So we walked past this shop. Um, it was a Strangers Project workshop. Uh, sorry, pop-up. And they had, like, tons of these letters just all pinned up. And I, to Dave's, like, absolute annoyance, was like, I have to read every single one of them. So I did. But and honestly, I spent about 20 minutes reading them all. I was like crying and laughing and crying. And one really stuck with me because it resonated so much. Okay, so I'm going to read it out. I've spent most of my life trying to be nice, underlined. And I'm starting to realise that it's just not the same thing as being good, underlined. I want to be good. Uh. And that hit me like a ton of bricks. That's so that true. nice is not the same thing as being good. No. And we try so hard to be nice. Like we, it's such a big preoccupation, like collective preoccupation 
for women especially to be nice when actually and, and I've always equated it with being good and thought that me being nice meant that I was that I was being a good and good person but it's just not the same like isn't that that's like, so I think so much of that god we're getting into it but like, I think so much of we? that comes from like being a kid and it's like or being a little girl and it's like be nice be nice good girl like be nice yeah. good girl good girls are nice it's so true because niceness yeah. is saying sorry when you want to say fuck off or thank you when you're when you're not grateful it's like it's the grinning and bearing shit it's having to be polite to men that are making you uncomfortable it's not telling the someone on the street yelling at you to suck a dick like it's Right. Manners, right? And that just basically means be quiet. Like, be nice is like, be quiet. Like, don't cause a scene. Be nice. Yeah. Be, be palatable. Yeah. yeah. But and like, actually... And, and also, it's like, it's the whole thing with boundaries, isn't it? Like, when you're nice, it's difficult to have, to be nice and have boundaries. So you will do, you will say, for example, yes to something that you actually really don't want to do. And in my head, I'm like, I'm being nice, I'm being a good person. But that thing that I don't want to do, that I end up doing, that I don't put my heart and soul into, heart and soul sounded like really intense, <laughs> but that, that I don't put my all into because I never wanted to do it in the first place. And I think I'm being good, like being nice and like a good person, but I'm actually not because it's taking me away from things that actually were, I don't know, it, it actually, blew my mind. You kind of resent it and then you, that kind of shows, like it kind right. of shows when somebody doesn't want right. to be there, you can tell 100%. And it's like, it's not making you happy. It's so true. And I, this for me, working with Jacqueline was something that, like, because I am was such a people pleaser. It was like the flimsiest boundaries ever. It was just, it was like, it was sad. It was like spaghetti. Like, there was just none. Just like, oh, we fall, like, tissue paper. Like, honestly, crap. And I was so scared of, like, saying no without giving an excuse or... Like, I don't, just, I, like, there's still, and there's still stuff, like, you'll get an invitation and you think, oh, God, I really, I don't want to, I don't want to go to that. And my Alex will be like, well, then we won't go. And I'm like, what, what a stupid thing to say. That is not nice. <laughs> we, we have to go. And actually, it's just like, but do we? Like, are we being a bad what person? Are we being a bad person for saying no? No, we're not. Like, there's a, maybe it's not the nicest thing in the world, but we're not bad people. And like, yeah, being nice is someone else's perception I don't think people like maybe you're a nice person but I think like you're much more likely to judge a person or like to comment on a person's niceness rather than their goodness as a human yeah do you know what I mean like I think at my core I would rather know I would rather spend all my time doing good than being nice because I don't think being nice gets you that many places whereas doing good does yes definitely and like personally like on a personal level, that's like, that is like a value I want more than, like good is a value I want more than nice. Because at the end of your life, and I hate when people say this, like on your deathbed. Actually, I don't hate when people say this. I just think it's like a lot of people say it. So I don't know why I said hate it. I really don't hate it. I think it's really good. Anyway, like at the end of your life, will you be like, oh my God, I'm so glad people thought I was a nice person or like, I'm so happy for all the good I did. Yeah. And being good doesn't mean that you're choosing to be a nasty person because I don't think nasty is the opposite of nice. No. There's variations of niceness. But I think being nice is a preoccupation. So it's like, if you do, if you like, if you take a, a charitable endeavor, for example, if your heart and soul is behind doing good, that's so much better than doing it to be nice because it's actually very yeah. 
ego-led and like um se- almost selfish to, to do it to be seen to be nice is not the same as doing it because you want to be good does that yeah. make sense like it, yeah, yeah, yeah niceness kind of i tell you what it is i think niceness feels more um like you're doing it for external validation like you want people to see you being nice i don't think niceness yes. is a selfless thing whereas i think like niceties aren't selfless whereas goodness is like yes. if you're being nice you're doing it to make somebody else happy or you'll make do it to make somebody else like you or to make somebody else's day better if you're being good you're doing it because you just want to be good and yes often niceness is a byproduct of that but it's not the incentive whoa whoa because this is the other thing right i think sometimes people say to me god i'm like this is because sometimes people say will say to me or like about me that like when people disagree with me or whatever like i'm not very nice in comments back again but it's like i find this very difficult because it's like if people are very very in my opinion wrong or inflammatory or unkind about uh group of people or whatever it is and I want to have a disagreement with that it's such an added emotional pressure that women have to be nice whilst they're having an argument or having a discussion men don't have that men can just spit facts and make points whereas women have to like package it up as niceness and you have to be so polite in your presentation so you can't just lose your head and be like no this is what I think you have to say Oh, thank you so much. I really respect your opinion, actually. And um, I get it. But I also think this because you have to tread so carefully because a woman has to be nice in order to be good. Whereas actually you can have very good intentions and be a good person whilst also not letting people talk to you like shit. You don't have to be nice to people who are treating you badly. Fuck. Yeah, because this is... I always... I struggle with this because sometimes people will be like, oh, well, you, you... Whatever, like if people say that I'll try and prove that I'm not nice or whatever because I don't take shit in my comments but it's just like or take shit in my DMs but it's like but why should I I'm a good person why should I sit here and take shit whoa whoa oh my god because actually someone messaged me about something they were disagreeing with something that I wrote on stories and I wrote back and my I what I wrote back was absolutely fine like there was no aggression it was but the person wrote back and said you well why why are you being so unkind and I was like how am I being unkind I'm defending my work I'm I'm defending what you are attacking me feels strong but I guess attacking or questioning or challenging and I was just I went back and I defended my work okay there were no niceties I wasn't like hi lovely how are you but I wrote back and I and I I defend you know and then she was like okay now you're just being unkind I was like there was there was nothing unkind in that I'm not being unkind the way that women the way that we have to write and the way that we have to present ourselves is that's why we all put like exclamation marks in our emails and kisses at the end and we say at the beginning and we're like Oh, just just popping in. Uh, so sorry to bother you. So it's like if these niceties aren't there, then we're being blunt, we're being harsh, we're being a bitch, we're being unkind, we're being ruthless. And it's like no, we're just talking like a man. Jesus Christ! If I sent emails, if I sent replies to DMs like Alex sends replies to his work emails, everyone would be like, "What a fucking bitch." <laughs> But he's just doing his job. Right. And he gets away with it. Like, well, not gets away with it. It's just normal. It's just normal. He's praised for it. He's very successful at his job because he communicates clearly. But if we communicate clearly, we're we're being unkind or we're being nasty or we're not being nice enough. 
Oh my yeah. god, this is so annoying. This, wow, wow. This ties in so well with our guests. We've done such a stellar job here. Yeah, <laughs> this huge. is great. I know. I wish. I wish this is the sort of thing we could do deliberately. And uh, you know, that's, that's <laughs> not our brand. That's not our vibe. So yeah, my good is that I've learned that there's a distinction between nice and good, and it's. I feel like it's. It's like changing the lens through which I I view stuff. So there you go. I love that. Here's to being good. Here's to being good and not being, well, also being nice, but I'm not there yet. (laughs) I think we should challenge you for a week of just being not unkind, but just deliberately (laughs) not nice for a week. And not nice doesn't mean like you're going to go and kick a puppy or punch a pensioner. It just means you're just not going to go out of your way to like, to just like gild, gild everything, frill everything, pink everything, kiss everything. You know what I mean? You can just yeah, constantly say thank you. Talk like a man. Yeah. Uh, bring us down. What's your bad? I actually don't have a bad because I'm in such a good mood. Oh, I love that. Okay, that's great. I have I two options, but I have no bad. Bring me something terrible next week. Okay. okay. <laughs> I tell you what it'll be. Hopefully, it'll not be too terrible. It'll be you from a Cypriot prison because you've punched a pensioner. <laughs> M told me to stop being nice. So I fucked everything up and now I'm facing life. (laughs) Okay, so that's next week. (laughs) Um, My bad, my bad is that Candy Crush is now on the back burner because I've discovered them. Because, well, for two reasons. Number one, I kept spending money on it. Yeah, I need to get a life. No, number one, I kept spending money on it because I was, I was like running out of moves and they were really hard levels. And I was like, I just can't, I can't do this level again. I'm going to have to buy some moves. So I was paying three... 99 at a time and I was like I have to stop this oh so I've got a new game called Blocky Blocks right that sounds like something you buy for a toddler it is it is it is not meant for people in their 30s but basically you stack all the blocks up and it is so addictive and so good that I when I, cl- I tell you when I close my eyes that's all I see I just see blocks do you know how lucky you are that you didn't take another path in life Al? because with a personality like yours it's you could have you, like you were one no, wrong know. bar away from train spotting I swear to god <laughs> I know I know I know very addictive but honestly like I close my eyes and I just see blocks and I dream I've all I've done is dream about blocks and dream about putting them together and I'm talking to people and all I'm thinking about in my head is this fucking game so I don't know what to do I don't know if I should well, just I go, go cold tur- turkey it's called blocky blocks that's my bad <sighs> yeah that is quite bad so in the same way that I've had to block certain websites that don't make me feel good not porn um <laughs> it just don't make me feel good <laughs> yeah, it's like, blocky, you know what happens you type blocky blocky blocks into google just go on streams of children's games okay it's not okay look that looks like tetris oh i don't know you see like, yeah that looks like and a, you, ha- like and a you have to tetris you need te- oh. if you never if you ever played tetris no ow that's what you need to be doing oh the, okay maybe i need tetris the best. then tetris is the best okay yeah, you need Tetris. I can't believe I'm feeling the addiction. So I've got all my sisters onto it and my top score is, thank you very much, 10,000 and... Cool, bro. 10,793 and they are nowhere near and I'm taking great pleasure in it and I've said that I will give them £20 if they beat my top score. So 
They're, they're all like furiously working away. <laughs> you're having you're having to buy buy. You're spending money in other ways. This is it's the same problem. If they all beat your top score, you'll be more out of pocket than you were with Candy Crush. Oh my god, I didn't even think about that. No, but I am really confident in my ability with this blocky blocks. Okay, this I'm is what you you're not paying them because you want to get money. You're paying them as an incentive to keep being at the top. It's a way of making making them want to be as competitive as you because nobody else would care about blocky blocks as much. But by financially incentivizing <laughs> them, now you're rest assured that you'll always have a competitor. Oh, two things. Number one, it's not called blocky blocks. It's called Woody Origin. So never mind. I don't know why I thought it was called Blocky Blocks, but I really think it, thought it was. And the other thing is, D- Dave heard me recording the other day, last week, and afterwards he was like, it's not a pine cone that you saw. It's not an acorn that you saw, it was a pine cone. I don't know the difference, but now I do. I thought the poo was an acorn, not a pine A pine cone, not an acorn. Which one's the spiky one? The spiky one is the pine cone, and then the acorn is the little thing where it's like smooth and round at the top. Oh, like, like a squirrel. Like an ice age, yeah. Yeah, it's what squirrels like. Okay, my awkwards. I have two. Um, Excellent. Uh, so one of them was yesterday when I was in the park and I was walking Boa and she was being a right little dick yesterday, I'm going to be honest. When it's windy, she gets really self-conscious because she gets like, I think it's like a bit of a breeze on her fanny. She's got a really low hanging fanny. Has she? Yeah, it's huge. It's like a bell. Anyway, oh, and I think when the wind goes up it, it sort of puts the fear of day in it. So she sits down a lot. So... Oh. She doesn't, she doesn't thrive in the wind. She's a bit of a devil to walk. And we just get into the end of the park by the kids. There's a whole thing on the common. I regularly have fights with cyclists because they go like 25 miles an hour through the common. And it's like, there are kids and Boo has been hit by a bike. Honestly, she's got run over with both tyres. It was huge. Nothing irritates me more. I'm like, go on the road. Go on the road. Nothing irritates or me more. Just go than- slowly. People that do, okay, there's, yeah, people that drive, drive and cycle and motorcycle too fast nothing irritates me more and when they rev and then they go down a street that is clearly a residential street there could be kids and they they rev and they go fast and i honestly i want to punch them there she is there's the woman in her 30s she's back don't let the blocky blocks feel feel, feel (laughs) i'm back and i'm Um, not being nice no i agree i just when people cycle through like like at eight in the morning when it's like kid drop-off time and it's like there's just toddlers and dogs everywhere and they come through in like their cleats at like 20 something miles an hour and it's like I get that you want to say, like, I know it's for everyone, but just, you need to slow down for your own good. Because a, f- a few months ago, this dog, this guy ran over Boa and like, she was, I mean, she was playing. She was in the park. Do you know what I mean? Like she was just playing with a collie. Yeah. And oh, it gosh. was chasing her and then she got run over. And I know that there are people, I, I didn't realise this until TikTok, but do you know there are people in the world that don't think dogs should be let off the lead in a park? Yes. When I met someone said this to me in DM or like in unpo- unpopular opinions, and I shared it, and I, my DMs have never been so wild. Like yeah. people like, but this is a commonly held. I didn't. I don't want to get this. into this. I'm scared. No, to get into I'm this. scared. I'm scared to get into it too. But yeah, it's a really big thing. But I mean, like, I can't. I'm not doing that to Boo. Like, she lives in London. She needs to run, and she's yeah. great. And that's yeah. why we have the green spaces. Anyway, anyway. How so, else are dogs supposed to go and run? And, and get proper exercise. Otherwise, it's really yeah. bad for their welfare. Like, it's just not good. So anyway, she was playing with a collie. She's good as gold. You know what I mean? Like, she doesn't bother kids. She doesn't bother... She doesn't... Whatever. But she ran across... She was running in the park. And this guy was, like, cycling, like, 20 miles an hour. And he ran her over. This was not even my awkward. This was just a caveat. Anyway. Um, and then he looked at her. And he was just like, oh. Like, oh, she should have looked where she was going. I was like... She's a fucking dog. You should have looked where you were going. <laughs> like he was really annoyed 
did with her. Like, and I was like, well, we didn't do the Green Cross Code because she's a Labradoodle. Like, I don't know what you want from me. <laughs> yeah, I, I did feel really bad for him because obviously it was like an accident and whatever, but it's just, I don't know. Anyway, whatever. It's fine. So I was, I had to put Blue on the lead. At this, I now call it Chaos Corner because this is where all, it's literally like you couldn't, you couldn't write it. There's a bit of a common where the ed- end of the kids play park it's the race where all like, the mums and the toddlers are hanging out and it's, it is chaos. Then there's just dogs everywhere because it's where all the, par- the, the pathways meet in the middle. And it's where the cyclists have to dismount to go over a little footbridge. So it's like, it's just chaos. It's where all the bikes come and all the children and all the dogs. So after Boa's unfortunate <laughs> flattening, we now put her on the lead for that corner. And... Um, Anyway, so I had her on the lead and she was being a real little... No, I've really set the scene for a very boring story because um, she was really being a little dick and she was sit- She sat down. I was holding my coffee and I was holding my phone. She sat down abruptly because the wind went up her fanny and as she sat, my phone flew out my hand and bounced into the children's play park and it was like... I was like, oh, that's annoying. And there was like a fence between. So I like put my arm through the fence to try and like reach my phone and I couldn't reach it. And I was like, oh my God, this just looks so stupid. <laughs> and I just... And it's like, I tried for too long. I tried for longer than was good. Do you know what I mean? It was just like... And I was really not able to reach it. People looked. Did they help? Did they fuck? No. So I was like, okay, right. I'm going to have to go in. You can't take a dog into the play park. So I just leave Boa and just like walk in. And it couldn't have happened further away from the gate. And it was just so embarrassing for no reason at all <laughs> that I just dropped my phone like a fucking it was it, just, it was like and everyone was looking at me like haha and no one helped anyway that's really um, mean but it's London isn't it that's, you it's know, lo- and also there, there is a division between in my opinion between dog mums and human mums in the commons and oh go on well I've always thought this and I'm scared to broach it, but I guess now I'm about to have a human. Maybe I'm going to go over to the dark side. We'll see. Oh, my God. But in the summer months particularly, you do get quite a lot of mums who don't want their dogs coming, don't want dogs coming near the kids. So if, like, you're having a little picnic and a dog comes over and you get kind of, like, they get kind of, mm-hmm. like, get your dog away. Oh, really? And it's oh, like, really? well... This is difficult because we come out here every single day, rain or shine. Boa doesn't know the difference between December the 1st when all the kids are going to be inside because it's warm and July the 2nd when they're all sitting out here because it's stunning. And she's going to shit here either way. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So when someone puts... Oh, I don't like that. Carrot batons and sausage rolls in what is effectively her loo and she goes over and she's like, oh yeah, what you got for me? you know yeah yeah oh my god that's so true that's yeah so there's always a bit of like and I always I always get the impression that it's kind of like they've got a miracle and I've got a dog do you know what I mean like yeah (laughs) they've got like the like a perfect thing and I've just got this like beast but do you know do you know what I really going off topic but what I really don't love is when people when I say how much I love Betty and people are like wait till you have a child like that you won't know like that will put put that love no way how, how, how am i trying to say it they they they'll they'll say like oh there is no love like a child though like you won't even like it won't compare to the love you feel and i'm like hang on i love my i love my dog like stop it why are you saying and you that? might have a horrible you might hate your child you might be like oh you're awful yeah i wish you were more like that I, I love my dog yeah. So, yeah and also like dogs are people's babies like boo is our baby like I know we're having a baby, but Boo is our baby. Like she's my she's my firstborn, and if Alex comes and says hello to like my bump, I'm like 
and Tabua. Good, that's like, nice. You, like, you yeah. can't give me love and or like, oh, whatever. Because she's like, yeah, she, she needs to like still know yeah. that she's like queen of the world. It's still Boo's house. Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, I'm getting her a new because we're making the baby's bed bedroom, so I need to put her in like a like a bed in here. I'm like, I don't want. Yeah, she can't. She has to yeah, know no. that she's still still in her house. Yeah, she wants a training for a baby. Yeah, hundred percent. And the baby's yeah. just gonna have to totally get used to that. It's a Boo's world, baby. Totally. Like, <laughs> yeah, but it's nice because the baby will love Boo. Yeah, of course you will. And Boo is going to absolutely adore her. Boo is really good with kids, thank God. Because that's the thing. I mean, I mean, of course, you do have to be careful. Like, for the people in the park, like, some, like you do have to be careful of, like, you know, what, whatever. But babies love dogs, and it's nice to get them used to dogs as well. Yeah, I think I sound like I'm being really anti, like, mums in the park. I'm not being at all. And I also have a very... Um, specific view because Boa is really good with kids but that's quite interesting in and of itself because sometimes kids will come up to Boa and she's absolutely fine with it but it's like if she wasn't um yeah we've probably opened a can of worms there oh well um we 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 mean it we love we're just crazy dog mums doesn't mean we don't love human children what is your second awkward oh myself i'm just such an idiot okay so i've got an email i got an email from the hospital about my baby scan my baby scans yeah my scans Um, and I got an email and it was like, because I have to have my, cyst, my cyst scans as well. They were like, is there any reason why you haven't booked in the following scans? Um, and I replied, I was like, um, I did actually. And I sent a screen grab and I was like, <laughs> I actually replied on like the 28th of August, booking it in or whatever. And then I sent the screen grab and then as I sent the screen grab with a kind of like, um, I think you'll find I did. Sassy. <laughs> um, it wasn't, it wasn't not nice at all. It was very nice, but it was just okay. like... I was like a bit of sass. Um, I, sort of, of sass. like I was like, oh my god, so I'm so sorry for the confusion. As you, as per my email below, oh, you can see yeah, I did, yeah. I did as actually mentioned. book it. Yeah, and then <laughs> I sent the email, and then I looked back at the email, and I realised that I had sent the email to myself. <laughs> oh, you dick! Twenty eighth of August. I was like, yeah, I would love to be there on the twentieth of October, or whatever. I was like, thank you so much. Um, and then I had to send a reply, literally like thirty seconds later. I was like, oh my god, I am so sorry. I am a massive. I am girl. a dick. Um, yeah, and then I put like way too many kisses at the end of the second email and made that weird. I was like, oh my god, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Like, what am I like? Ha ha ha. Like, lol, lol. Please forgive lol. me. Yeah. Kiss, 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 kiss. And the woman just replied. She was like, no worries. Book you in. <laughs> Please leave me alone. <laughs> yeah, you fucking nutter. I just want to book your scans. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I just felt like a massive idiot. It's just so embarrassing. It's funny you do that thing where everything funny. just... And it's, I, I actually did it as well. I posted a reel. I had it on the same day, I think. I posted a reel. I posted an ad on Instagram and I posted it three times. Oh, I so saw, yeah, I saw that saga. And you know when everything oh. just gets really hot and cold at the same time? <laughs> like, I had it twice that day, because I had it then, and then I had it at the email time as well, and you're just like, oh, God. I hate that feeling. I, I hate that feeling. <laughs> so Your good. blood is, oh, I hate it. Yeah, hot and cold. Well, I'm glad you brought the awkwards, because mine is just a very quick, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an oldie, but a goodie. It's not old, but it's just a classic forever awkward and something that shouldn't be that awkward but it is so we're we've come to cyprus my mum and dad live here so we've come to visit them went out for dinner on the first night and there are loads of us here because my family's just so fucking big um and went out for dinner and the waiter served 
um, me my food and I said thank you about seven times because that's obviously my thing. And then he was like, no worries, enjoy your food. And I said, you too. Then that's it. And do you know what? It's just one of those things that will never not be embarrassing. And it's it's just it's a very small thing. Yeah. But it's still crushing. And it didn't it didn't go unnoticed <laughs> and it's still it's still crushing. Yeah, yeah, it's just awkward, isn't it? I don't know. It's just awkward. I hate so, being yeah. a human sometimes. You too. Have a good trip. You too. You, you know, too. It's just awkward. Yeah. <laughs> um So there we go. Do you speak Absolutely not. Greek, no. Greek. Or I don't know <laughs> if you're in the Greek bit or in the Turkish bit, and then I was like, I don't know. If there's a middle bit <laughs> where I could <laughs> I could comfortably be like, do you speak Cyprian? <laughs> but Cyprian. as I was saying it, I was like, I, I don't think I don't think this is going to come out how I want it to. No, I don't. I don't. It's a different alphabet, so I'm not there yet. No. My mum used to work in Greece. My mum's my like literally worked everywhere, like everywhere. She's like, oh yeah, when I was working like Burger King in Denmark, and oh yeah, when I was working in like <laughs> the it. bars in Greece. I know it's so weird. I think the only express she only knows some like very random and very offensive expressions. She's like she knows all like the bar ones, like all the drinks and the food orders and like the money ones. But then she knows like you have a tiny dick or fuck off you asshole. Or, oh like, wow! Yeah, Amazing. just some really randomly offensive Greek sentences. She's like, oh, they're really helpful when you're bartending. I was like, cool. I bet you got loads of tips. Oh, <laughs> I need to up my game then. I totally need to up my game. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure she could hook you up. I remember her teaching yeah. me before I went, I went on my, like, I went to, on, on a girl's trip to Zakynthos when I was, like, 18. And I remember her teaching me all these, like, really offensive sentences. I was like, okay. I love that. <laughs> I went to cool. Zanti, had the best time of my life. Zanti is Zakynthos. And so did I, <laughs> obviously. Um, that's so fun. You know my, your face. Um, yeah, Zanti's just is like it? the English word for it. Yeah, my auntie's buried there. Oh. Ashley's so scattered there. Because my mum, she used, my auntie used to live there. One, my, one of my aunties, the one that died like ages and ages ago. Um, she used to, yeah, she used to live there, which is why my mum used to work out there. Because she'd go out and like see Heli. And yeah, so her ashes are all scattered there. But in the north of the island. And, Zant, oh. and where we went, it's like the south bit which is like the strip and the chaos. So I think we had quite different experiences. <laughs> Absolute chaos, but best holiday of my life. No, you've learned something. Should we go back? I, le- we go I didn't to- know that. I literally Do you want to go? We could go to Zakynthos, Santi. Oh my God. No, we're like, we'll go out on the strip. I know I'm about to be a mother and you're 34, but like we could go like to the strip. <laughs> <laughs> um, at 34, I am not going back to Zanti to revisit my 18-year-old just left school getting pissed as I can like trying to snog 17 boys in a night as you should yeah I took I remember you had to take your own towel to the hotel we were staying in and like my mum gave me one of my brother's towels and it had Bart Simpson on it and after my first shower on the first day I hung it up outside the room to dry on like the little balcony thing which just was on the main road and then someone just stole my towel and I didn't have a towel for the rest of the trip oh sad (laughs) and I had my brother's name in it so someone oh. somewhere has got like a finlow finlow bart simpson towel that's a really like bottom of the barrel thing to steal you know i know it's like why are you doing this like it's got bart simpson it's probably a child it isn't it's mine but it's probably a child really bottom of the barrel i mean come I on know. oh we had such a good trip my friend and my, my roommate my friend was sick in her bed in her in her pillow on the first night <laughs> and then slept oh, gorgeous so gorgeous I just 
I remember my friend's eyes rolling back in her head on the first night and I was like, oh, we've gone too far. We've like, <laughs> we've pushed it too hard too soon. This is not good and we have to go to sleep right <laughs> oh now. Oh my God. Yeah, I actually like, I'm already like, as if my parents, I mean, they can't stop you when you're 18, but also like, like worth. I know, I know, Worth. I know, I know. We did the one, things. like, cultured, we did one nice thing when we went out for dinner to, like, a plate-smashing dinner, you know, like a, like a traditional Greek restaurant, but the rest of it was, like, obscene. Like, we just ate, like, I think the only proper meal we ate was, like, we had the crisps before we went out, and then we had, like, two or three a.m. pizza slices, and then that was sort of that. Terrifying. Oh, it was bad. It was so bad. I, like, I... I Oh god! I remember I like cut my glass in the club, and like cut my glass, cut my foot on glass in the club, and then like hobbled home, and I left like I trailed blood like all over the hotel and all the way to our room, and for some reason we slept with the door open, and then my other friends who were staying in the other room, the next day were like, oh my god, they just followed this trail of blood, and our door was open. Oh, it's just it was sorry, everything's coming flooding back, and I've got anxiety. Did you ever watch Sunsex and Suspicious Parents? Yes. <laughs> I always watched that, and I thought, why are you still behaving like that when you've got a television crew following you? Like, even though like your mum's in the next door room, she's still going to see this imminently. <laughs> yes. Yes. They just don't fucking care. They're just like, I feel let out. I'm loose. To be honest, I don't think my parents, I don't think there's anything I did that maybe it's because my parents are just very, woo. Or maybe it's because I was a bit of a dry shite, but we just, I don't think I'd have, I don't think I'd have done anything like raucous enough that I'd have been too embarrassed. If if they'd have paid for the trip, like if ITV or MTV or whoever it was had paid for the trip, I might have, I might have gone for it. But no, actually, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have. And not because of my parents, but just because imagine now, 10 years later, knowing that that clip of you exists. Like, just picture the scene. That clip exists. It's only a matter of time until somebody finds it and puts it on TikTok and your life's ruined. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would not. I, I probably... No, I would not have done that. Absolutely not. Not with my parents. No way. No way. No, not with your parents. Jesus. My parents are like. No. Well, I know what you're like no. about your parents. I don't even know what your parents are like. Just know that you're a massive pussy. My mum. My mum said the other day. Um, yeah, I am a massive pussy. My mum said the other day. Um, she, we were all sat around. She was like, "Oh, have any of you? Have you ever? Any of you ever had a puff of a cigarette?" <laughs> she's like I've never had a I've never had a puff of a cigarette I was like oh oh I don't want to answer this I really really don't want to answer this no comment you with a cigar under the table like I don't I don't know what you're talking about <laughs> um I keep dreaming that I'm smoking oh. it's really bad like I wake up in the morning and I'm like oh my god like what have I done like the poor baby and it happens it's literally happening like every night and in my dream I know it's bad but I'm still I'm still doing it and I'm like oh one or two won't hurt it's like famously it will but obviously I'm not (laughs) doing it probably will (laughs) but like in my and I wake up every morning and I'm like and I have to like smell myself and like check everything and then I'm like obviously I didn't get up and go to like and it didn't happen the corner but, shop. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 3 a.m. 3 a.m. The pregnant woman showing up. They'll just be like, leave. Um, in my sleep. Yeah, that's not happening. But like, it's really bad dreams. Really annoying. 
Um, can't trust myself. It's probably a bit of anxiety. I think, yeah, I think it's just like, I I feel like, I don't know, like, I think I'm doing everything right, but I think in, in my sleep, well, I don't know if I'm doing everything right, God knows, but like I'm trying to do everything right. But then I think you just, I don't know, like I, I you, at the beginning of the pregnancy, I used to wake up in the middle of the night, like two in the morning and I'd be like to Alex, I'd be like, oh my God, I haven't taken my pills or like my iron pills or my sickness pills or my folic acid or like, and I'd get like these stupid panics at like two in the morning and I'd go like looking around the room <laughs> to make sure I was taking the appropriate vitamins. <laughs> and I've got over that, but now I wake up and I'm like, oh my God, I had like a 20 pack of camel blues, but I didn't. Do you have to take folic acid when you're pregnant? Yeah. There's, there's oh, differing shit. advice. So you take it for the first trimester. Well, some people say you only need to take it for the first trimester and you can stop taking it for the second and third because the baby's development is done. Or like the ba- the sort of the, ba- the main bit that needs the folic, to my understanding. But then some midwives say to keep taking it. So I'm st- because I'm also taking ferritin oh. for my low iron, I'm just still taking it. Okay. okay. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. You're rattling, aren't you? <laughs> no, literally, yeah. Like a little pharmacy. But I'm not full of cigarettes, so that's good. I'll take it. That's good. Did that's new, positive. It's a, it's a new dawn, it's a new um, day. I've really, like, swapped out. If the, Zan, if the Zakynthos, like, Siggy in one <laughs> hand and Vodka Red Bull in the other could see me now, <laughs> taking a folic acid and having nightmares She'd be so smoking. disappointed. She'd be like, what the... F- you, what, what have you done? <laughs> how could you I'm drinking freshly squeezed orange juice <laughs> right now she sad. would not even she would not even know she'd be like ugh ugh if it's not full no. fat coat what's the point she'd be like I did not put in all this hard work for you to just go and, and have a folic it acid <laughs> with your health unbelievable yeah exactly so you're telling me i had 10 years of contraception for what right oh my god this is like 50 minutes long daisy's gonna kill us yeah today's guest i am so excited yes. yeah call, call her femi- call her what she is al go ahead yeah and introduction. Fem- feminist royalty the guilty feminist herself deborah francis white it's on our podcast, which is quite weird, no? It's quite, like, weird it's, that, like, she actually agreed to do this. Like, there's some people that I'm really intimidated to interview because I just think, like, they're the queen or king or... What's the gender non-specific yeah, gender term neutral? for just, like, a royal? Anyway... She's just basically a baller at interviewing because, obviously, she's been doing it for, like, ever and she's so great and it's just like, oh, a God, queen. this is... <laughs> a queen. Sorry, I've been thinking about that. I like a it. Um, yeah, they are the queen of interviewing, basically. So it was just a bit intimidating, but it was so good. And actually, it didn't even end up being an interview. It just ended up being a really good conversation. And I felt like we were being lectured, not in a bad way, in a good way. I felt like we'd just gone yeah. to the coolest feminist lecture I've ever been to. Like, I just yeah, felt like we learned so, cool. so much. I didn't really take my eyes off her at all. And I even, I had a, I had a muffin and a cup of tea. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't touch either because I was so, like, my mesmerised by her. <laughs> With hindsight, thinking about how we, thinking about the conversations that we had, because it was very much like she was teaching us stuff and we were learning, which I love, because I like lo- life's for learning. I love learning shit. But I was hyper aware that it's like she might just be looking at us, like, we were just, like, too doe-eyed, like teach us everything and like <laughs> yeah. just like space hopper eyes listening to her like yeah <laughs> yeah it was quite it was a bit intense a bit lame but on our well. part but 
super cool, like super cool taffa here. Yeah, exactly. You guys will enjoy it. Um, so yeah, uh, we just we, we mentioned at the beginning. Uh, just uh, if there's any problems with the audio, we apologise. We've recorded in a unique situation, um, yes. but we're so excited with the contents of the interview that we think you'll enjoy it anyway. How presumptuous. They might <laughs> that is it. very presumptuous of you. We hope you'll enjoy. <laughs> but you never best. fucking know. And if you don't, that's okay. No, it isn't. <laughs> no. <laughs> I said that's okay. And I was like, deeply, deeply, that is not okay with me. <laughs> I take it oh, back. <laughs> speaking of that, just before we kick you into the Deborah Francis White interview, if you do enjoy the Should I Delete That podcast, we would really appreciate a review. Note how I said, if you enjoy it. If you don't, really don't bother, please. Um, but if you do, we would really appreciate some good reviews. Um, so you can do that on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast. And we'd really appreciate it and we'll love you forever. But for now, we hope that you enjoy the interview with feminist queen, Deborah Francis White. I'm like a monk. I've got great self-discipline. I'm, ready to... a monk, I'm like a monk. I've got great self-discipline. Yes. That is a statement. Like a monk. A monk like self-discipline. No. I need I to hear more. <laughs> I have an inflated sense of self, I think. I, that's, I need to hear more about this. Can we start recording so I can hear more about this? Yeah. Um, Are we recording? Are we recording all this time? I think it's actually quite unlikely. I think people don't... I think it's an unlikely thing that people would think about me. But I do because I am quite not... My lifestyle doesn't... Um, perhaps demonstrate that I have a good if you looked at me you wouldn't think oh she's obviously got great self-discipline because I don't like wash my hair with any regularity or get dressed very nicely exercise this self-discipline very often that's probably what I'm saying can I just explain how self-discipline works yeah we've all got great self-discipline in theory if we do not have it in practice it's pointless it becomes moot so that's like saying I am an amazing I'm amazing at getting up at 5am and going for a run because this I did it once. <laughs> and it's like, yes, I am if I did it. But as I don't, I'm not. I think not. you've just pinned, you've got me. That this might be, the, that's me to the letter. I'm amazing at everything, but I just never do it. Right, 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 right. Why uh, would I? <laughs> I was going to ask you, like, we were going to ask you some other questions first, but I actually, we've just been talking about this amongst ourselves anyway. This is super heavy. Just okay. not even heavy. It's just it's, it's a massive thing to unpack. In. But I just wondered, as because I have loved you. Sorry, weird. Um, for ages, I've read your book and listened to your podcast. I think you're great. Is this a declaration of romantic love? Is I'm the about podcast to fall to ruse? my knee. Yeah, I have a ring. Yeah, it's there's a, no podcast it's here. This is <laughs> all friends are behind this curtain. Slash proposal. <laughs> um, yeah, I've I've had great self discipline. It's taken years to do. Um, <laughs> We've just talked, we were just talking about how angry everybody is in the world right now, or in the UK right now. Like, it feels like there's just a lot of beef and like a lot of anger everywhere. And I feel like a lot of it's being directed at women. And we've looked at like the mega, I mean, it always does, but looking at Meghan Markle, Camilla being put against, pitted against Diana, which is ridiculous because it's about how Camilla's eight, you know, like they're putting photos of like 65 year old Camilla and 30 year old Diana anyway just everybody's so angry with these women and it just feels like a very frustrating time to be a woman so I just wanted if you had any thoughts on yes that. Uh, professional womaning is always a challenge <laughs> because if you are if you woman for a living as many of these women do you put yourself up in a in a limelight in a public space 
any misogyny that would just be usually diluted and filtered into the world can be targeted in a series of hand grenades at which you have to dodge every mm. single day of your life. So somebody like Meghan Markle, we were introduced to her as somebody beautiful, somebody successful, somebody marrying uh, the more fun prince of the two. And uh, the and then, of course, there's, that, uh, there's an added intersection there of race, which uh, is a, a, a real cocktail for racist misogynist to attack and uh, and uh, what fascinated me on uh the last week there was an there was a headline and i try and click on nothing about the royals because then you get more stuff yeah in your inbox and it's all invented and uh, but i was doing a, a project for the bbc where i needed to be looking at all these different news stories and the headline said Prince Harry didn't make it to the Balmoral in time before the Queen died. Mm. Meghan decided to stay in London. That was the headline. Mm. And then I read the article and at the end it said, uh, Prince William, Prince Andrew and Prince Edward also didn't make it in time. And Kate stayed in London to look after the children. Conveniently omitted. So what this story is, is none of the Queen's children or grandchildren. I didn't. I don't know. They didn't say anything about Anne, but you, the, I think none Anne of the, was the only one that was there. Right. None of the Queen's sons, bar Prince Charles, got there in time. So mm-hmm. obviously it wasn't expected, or they all would have been there. Mm-hmm. Obviously it happened really quickly. And both the uh, both Kate and Meghan stayed in London with their children. Mm. That was the story. This is not a story. No. Yeah. It's like, and also, it's someone else's family. We all know what it's yeah. like when someone's dying, and you know the family and elderly relatives dying, and people are trying to get there. And should we go now? And actually, she's resting. It would be better if you came tomorrow. We know we know what all that is like. So this was a total non-story. The headline is clickbait to get people specifically to hate Harry and Meghan. Yeah, it's there are so many of these manufactured stories. Obviously, they're targeted more at women and obviously they're targeted more at black and brown women than they are at white women. And we see this all the time. And we've got we've just got to get better at being media literate at going, well, how how do you know this? On what basis are you saying this? Why are you manufacturing emotion in me? Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Do you think it's getting better or worse like because i feel like it's getting worse but i don't know if that's just because we're being so exposed to it 
in some cases and some places and with some people better and in some places, some cases and some people worse. Yeah. So I think we've made huge strides forward in feminism in the last five to ten years uh, since I think feminism as a movement got moving again. Mm. Of course, there's always been hardworking feminists, but it, it, it came back into daily life and into the mainstream and into the mainstream conversation in, in conversations in living rooms, in pubs, not just in academic circles and activist circles around 2012. That started 2015. I started the Guilty Feminist end of 2015. Um, and 2012 was and 2013 was the year Malala took a stand that nearly took her life. Uh, it was the it was Chimamanda. We should all be feminists. It was Fleabag. It was you know Cat uh, and Morin's How to Be a Woman. There was a, there was a lot of different uh, different people, both in the mainstream in pop in the in the sort of popular space, but also in this significant activist space at that time, that started up the engine of feminism again, and. It's really taken off and we can see that, you know, the reaction to Trump getting into power and the women's marches around the world and now the empire strikes back with Roe versus Wade being overturned. And uh, I don't know if you saw the st news story yesterday, but young women who, as, who uh, uh, overtly say they're going to vote Democrat are signing up to vote in record numbers never seen before in America. People are turning 18 yeah. and signing up on the day. They've never seen anything like it. Yeah. So this is where... Sometimes the event that you think is the destruction of a movement ends up being a, a wave yeah. of pushback. And that is, happens in both directions. That happens in both directions. The response to eight years of Obama was Trump. The response to Trump was the women's movement, yeah. was Black Lives Matter, was, you know, it was, we will not be forgotten, we will not be silenced, we will not be oppressed. The response to that, of course, is Roe versus Wade and heavier policing. The response to that is, of course, greater numbers signing up to vote and, you know, and so on and so on. And what we need to do is be very alert and aware to the pushback when the empire strikes back and also extremely celebratory, engaged, positive and proactive when the wave is going the other way. Right. Make something of it. That's a good point, actually, isn't it? Because it's obviously the negative stuff that really comes to light and hits the mainstream and is at the forefront when actually there are positive things that don't, that don't necessarily get as much airtime. Exactly. That's a really good point. I've never thought about that, actually. France has just announced it's making the morning after pill free. That's a response to Roe versus Wade. Yeah. So Roe versus Wade, sometimes people go, oh, well, that's happening in America. We need to be more local in our activism. Local is global and global is local now. Mm. So when America uh, does something like overturn Roe versus Wade, uh, uh, calling into question and in some cases making illegal in some states a woman's right to choose, what happens is it immediately emboldens MPs, world leaders who would like to eradicate abortion. Yeah. So we saw it immediately in Britain. Various MPs came out and said, oh, well, we should be rethinking it. Oh, well, I, I agree with it. Oh, well, Australia the same. Um, all over the world that happens. Trump's era, Trump's administration, emboldened a kind of 
radically dishonest politics around the world. What Boris Johnson could get away with saying, uh, uh, there were no parties at number 10. Here's a picture of a party. Oh, well, I didn't know about any parties at number 10. Here's a picture of you at the party. I didn't know I was at a party. (laughs) I thought I was at a work event. Here's a picture of you with a glass of rosé in your hand, throwing your head back in laughter while you talk to someone else who holds rosé and there's no work uh, in evidence here. Uh, that uh, was the end of a work event where there were some drinks. So that was an after, what would we call it? After after work and you have drinks, you call it an after p- pa- party. party. No, we would still call that a work event. <laughs> yeah. I was not aware. Like, I'm just like, well, if you, like, I've heard of not being able to organise a piss up in a brewery, but to not mm. identify, not to be able to identify that you are in fact at a piss up in a brewery, Rules you out from being prime minister. Yeah. You can't tell when you're at a party, but there's, that's a radical dishonesty because it's it's e- even in the face of you being shown evidence, not saying, "Oh, actually, yes, I didn't think it was." You know, this is the reason we did that, but I didn't think it was wise to say, "No, no, yeah, I lied. I've been caught out. Whatever mm. it is, it's unforgivable. I'm really sorry." Yeah, just going, no, what you're seeing with your eyes isn't a real thing. And that's Trump. Trump's allowed that. Trump's emboldened that. You can't just have Trump floating on his own in a vacuum because after Trump, nothing any world leaders, nothing any world leader in the West does seems radical anymore. Right. Yeah. It's like comparatively. Because it seems ridiculous anymore. You know, like Mm. the tweets that he would do were so absurd and he'd pick fights with. North Korea on Twitter and stuff. And you're just going, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. So any kind of foreign policy slash diplomacy that's not actually threatening to nuke North Korea now seems better than that. And so now we're settling for bottom of the barrel, but not bar- barring to the core of the earth, to the earth's yeah. lava core, which is what Trump did. So that's my concern is that we're in a new era of politics where duplicity's out in the open mm. and it's like, oh, well, that's what we expect from politicians. No, we should expect integrity. Yeah. But at least if they've obviously been caught in a lie, for us all to look at it and say the emperor has no clothes, that is a lie. Yeah. We were saying this before, like that's a very interesting thing at the moment is it feels like everybody's so angry with the government, but it's like we've been so fucking angry and like properly like this is crazy for such a long time. But with the, particularly with the Conservatives now, it's been 12 years and it's just like they just rotate new people in until you've got someone that nobody wants. With so, like, And so you feel like all this anger, but what's almost what's the point in being angry because you can be furious at Boris like you say you can say all of this stuff and then but the interesting thing I found in the last couple of weeks as well and this is before the Queen died to only happen for like a day but when Liz Truss was appointed um, she appointed Therese Coffey as uh, health minister and she was fucking torn to shreds for how she looks Mm. and you know, everyone being like, you, she can't be health minister because look at her. And there's a glass of her holding a champagne and a cigarette. And it was like, oh my God, <laughs> like, are we okay? Because our previous health minister did an interview with the Telegraph. So do you, 
whatever. And he was like, I love a cigarette. And then there's Matt Hancock, always pictured with a pint. And then obviously Ken Clark was like, I mean, a while back, but like super famous for his like cigar loving life. Michael Gove, like always pictured at like 2 a.m. in the morning. And that's been really interesting as well, watching the way that we're policing. And I do not like Therese Coffee. I think there's, I, well, I, I did a video about this, but I said much more concern. Her voting record is a better reason to hate her than for what yeah. she looks like or to think she's ill-equipped to be health minister, namely because of her... Um, voting against abortion every chance she's had which is terrifying but um, very interesting looking at the comparison between Trump like Trump like you say being idiotic Boris being idiotic and then the Finnish Prime Minister who they drugs tested after that video of her dancing at a nightclub came out that was so absurd so absurd but it's like but people are really doing that and it's like she really had to prove that she wasn't on drugs when they (laughs) found literal cocaine in Downing Street Oh, I mean, as if, as if, as if there isn't, hasn't been a long history of coked up yeah. ministers walking through the House of Commons, working all hours Jittering and partying through. all hours. And, <laughs> yeah. and they, it's like a boys club in there. It's like, mm. I don't know if you've ever been to any events or anything in the House of Commons, but it's a re- got a real feel of a, for me, the times that I've been there, um, I was there the night that they, someone stole the gold, golden snitch. I don't, do you remember this? That the mace, there's a, it's basically no. a big stick with a ball on the top and I think it was in protest for Brexit being pushed through or something it was like a nighttime session and an MP stole it and it's something ceremonial you know a a, a typical Hogwartian bit of pageantry in the House of Commons somebody nicked it and ran off with it as a protest against Brexit or something ridiculous but I was there that night. It was having it, there was a drinks event for women there. It was invited by an MP, and um, it was extraordinary. It was extraordinary. Like everyone was running down to see into the chamber, and it felt like such public school jink, hijinks. You know, right? Really like boarding school. Oh, you was happening in the chamber, and people were running down and like laughing, and and then afterwards on the way back. I heard somebody say, what's for pud? And someone said, like, plum pudding or something like that. Oh, yum. You know, and I thought, well, these, a lot of these people went from a boarding school, like a lot of these, let's be honest, it, it, a lot of these men mm. went from a boarding school to Oxford or Cambridge, and it's exactly the same, the Oxford Union. It's all backstabbing and hijinks and lols. And in my memory, no one at the Oxford Union which is the debating club, if listeners don't know what it is, it's the debating club that acts like a student union, but it's much more political than a normal student union. It's much more like practice playtime for the House of Commons because that's where so many of our prime ministers and and cabinet ministers went to university, certainly uh, historically, but it hasn't changed that much. And it was playtime for when you're going to be in the House of Commons, like have a little go at it. And the backstabbing that went on, I don't remember anyone really caring about politics. It wasn't like so much left and right. It was like who could get in. It was really politics of the self and the identity. Because mm. I don't remember it. Like normal student unions, you have to have a manifesto and things like that. And I just remember it. Maybe they did. But m- my memory of it was who was going to make an alliance, who was going to, uh, at, at the last minute, somebody would say, I'm going to support you. And at the last minute, they'd go, I'm going to run for president myself, having secretly purloined all this support and it it really reminded me that night of what's for put really reminded me of the oxford union i was like everyone here is playing it's not everyone many people here are playing the playing out the power that they rehearsed 
in uh, in elite schools and universities around this country. And it's not really about policy. It's about it's about interpersonal politics and the love of that, the machinations of that, the the play of that, the joy of that, the kind of did you hear the gossip of that, mm. um, which way are you voting and can I count on your support? And that's why I think we are where we are. And when you get politicians who are there because they want to change things, the Mari Blacks, the Stella Creases, uh, you know, who the Diane Abbotts who were like, I, I don't like it how it is. Can I make it different? If I went in there, how would it be? How could I, what could I change? Stella Creasy is always changing something. Like she's always yeah. working. She's, she's just constantly trying to make an actual change. And I'm sure to do that, you need to make alliances and you need to get people in your corner. And I, I'm, I'm not saying she's not, she doesn't know how to be a politician and do those things, but I'm saying it's, it's about why she's, why she's doing what she's doing, how transparent she is, mm. is is it a, it's a different quality. It doesn't matter if you agree with everything Stella wants to do, and that's we shouldn't all agree with absolutely everything everybody else says and wants to. Do. You know, there should be debate and pluralism in our society, but there is no doubt in my mind that she wants to change things for the better, and that is transparently what she is doing. Yeah, and that's. Why would just would be so great if we scrapped the whole thing almost and started again and said, how do we get people who with vision to to come in and really have a go at yeah. changing things? Yeah, because it does just feel like musical chairs now. So you just like, and I I don't I, I don't understand why people why you can be a health minister when you were like education like two minutes ago or whatever like it doesn't make any sense like a teacher needs to be the head of education yeah. a doctor or a consultant yeah. needs to be the head of health. it doesn't make any sense they do that in America there's, there's it's much more special advisors mm. who have expertise but then America is so corrupt it's shocking so let's take it back to the beginning a bit sorry listeners we went in <laughs> we went in at the deep end there. Um, but so to take it back a little bit, you, I mean, the guilty feminist, I'd love for you to explain what is a guilty feminist? Why are you a guilty feminist? How did that come to be? The, so the guilty feminist is a podcast about our noble goals as 21st century feminists and our hypocrisies and insecurities, which undermine those goals. So we always start with I'm a feminist, but where we confess something. And it's, it's, it's like a fun exfoliation of any guilt we're carrying, lest it linger on the body and that guilt becomes shame. Because shame is luggage. You have to carry shame around. And we don't want to be heavy. So we just go, you know, women are taught to feel guilty for everything. You know, if you have kids and a job, wherever you are, you feel like you should be in the other place. And then if you're, if you're somehow managing to balance those two, well, you're not a good enough daughter, you're not a good enough friend, you know. Um, did you hear that, sh that Sharon's running uh, a, a marathon and raising money for breast cancer care? Are you doing that? No, you're not. Uh, if you are, self-care, have you done any self-care today? Have you done any self-care? Have you not done any self-care this week? Or you should be doing more self-care. Uh, whatever it is, whatever it is that you're doing, you should be doing something else. And I, in some ways, felt feminism had become another thing to feel guilty about. Now you're not a good enough feminist. Did you go to that march? Did you stay on that march? And so one of the first things I ever confessed, which is a true story, is I'm a feminist, but one time I went on a women's rights march, popped into a department store to use the loo, got distracted trying out face cream when I came out and the march was 
gone. Like gone. Story. There was no evidence of the march at all. So I just had to put my sunglasses on, put my sign in a bin and walk away very fast. <laughs> no, you had the sign. And, yeah, the sign. I'm walking around with a, with a sign, yeah. Um, I think it was Reclaim the Night or something like that. I don't know, it was something like that. I've kind of been Reclaim the Night because it, or maybe it's an evening thing. Anyway, um, the point is I reclaimed the anti-aging face cream more than the night um, <laughs> nothing wrong with aging gang nothing wrong with aging despite what the creams will tell you um, but also I prefer not to do it and that's the dichotomy that's the the because ter- I don't make the rules about women in the industry aging I don't make those rules and so and I've been seduced by the patriarchy all my life since I was a child by seeing images on billboards so while we're working on re-imaging ourselves while we're working on um, representation and shifting our own perception of ourselves and our own place in society, how much space we're allowed to take up, how much how much uh, influence we're allowed to have, uh, how angry we're allowed to be. While we're shifting on all of those things, there are residual anxieties and uh, hypocrisies and insecurities that we carry. So the first thing is we get those out on the table, we laugh at them, and we discover that if everybody laughs in the audience, because it's always in front of a live audience bar the lockdown, if everyone laughs, then lots of people have this, in which case it probably doesn't matter, let it go. If it does matter, if we decide, actually, that's not great, that is holding me back, or that is uh, something that perhaps doesn't take into account somebody else's marginalization then let's work on it. Put, same thing, put it on the table and then build muscle. Let's pick up some weights. Let's change this. Carrying it, holding it, making it a secret, whatever it is. I always remember Felicity Ward, who's a brilliant comedian who comes on our podcast a lot. She said that her therapist told her that avoidance is the maintenance of any problem. So if you won't look at it, oh I god, listened, that's gone like straight through I to my to that soul. Episode, I think that was a while ago, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I say it a lot, and I, I, I can think you repeat it? it? No, don't. It's, it's gone right through me. It's I'm true. So it's me. Sorry, sorry. You've got incredible self-discipline, though, so you don't need to worry. I have uh, terrible <laughs> self-discipline, Deborah. That was a lie. The self-discipline of a monk. You told me, a I, monk. I was lying. Yes, I'm a hypocrite. Ah, uh, well, there you go. I'm just having a spot. Um, um, I have a T-shirt that the journalist Annabelle Rifkin gave me that just says "Happy Hypocrite" on it, and I'm just like, "This is lean in." <laughs> uh, yeah, avoidance yep. is the maintenance yep. of any problem, and so everything we're avoiding and not looking at, yeah. we are continuing the problem. So if that we know we've got a problem with something, but we won't look at it, and I'm terrible one for just going just pretend it's not there me too head in the sand yeah, yeah. my favorite just, place to be yeah, it's just it's so easy isn't it just to go if i don't look at that inbox if i don't think about that yeah. problem if i just keep pretending it's not real so like going back to then this like dichotomy and the opposing sides of us one side like for me for example one side of me that i am a i am a, i am a feminist and I strongly, I strongly believe that, and I strongly lean into that. But then on the other side of me, like, I am obsessed with makeup. Like, I love my like cute little clothes. Like, I love my skincare. I love doing my hair. I love all of this stuff. Like, how do we reconcile those? How do we reconcile those perceived hypocrisies? And maybe you'll say they aren't hypocrisies, I but they feel like they are. I don't feel they are. I think in that instance. 
you loving clothes and design and makeup. I mean, animal, uh, human beings love to decorate. It's one thing that separates us from the animals. You're decorating. Decorating myself. Yeah. I love that. Human beings, it's, it's, a, it's you know, anthropologically speaking, what you're doing is decorating, individualizing, creating. Now, there was a period in history when men were more decorated than women. And sometimes I can't believe the patriarchy let us have makeup because they usually steal all the good stuff for themselves. <laughs> and how we ended up with sequins and glitter and I know. concealer. I so don't, fun. genuinely don't know. The pharaohs wore oh, uh, gilded. Yeah, all through, all through here. I'll tell you, I do know actually, I do know what happened. Um, so here's an example. High heels were very masculine. And it was because... Middle Eastern soldiers were seen to be, they were the really amazing horsemen, really amazing fighters. Everyone wanted to be a Middle Eastern horseback soldier because they, the, they were the coolest. They invented high heels to keep their feet in the stirrups. Nice. Right? Yes. So then when they came over on ah. tours, I guess, I don't know, like boy band tours <laughs> uh, to Europe... <laughs> They had these high heels on. They'd get off their horse and high heels and they'd be sashaying in and, and all of the European men would be like, oh my God, they're so masculine. They're so cool. I want the high heels. Can you get my cobbler to make me some high heels so I look like a Middle Eastern soldier because then everyone's going to think I'm great. <laughs> so then men, the fashion became, you're a real man if you're in high heels. Then there was this period where women started to want to look like men, dress like men. I think it was just like a, a fashion thing. I guess they started wearing high heels and smoking pipes. And it, and it was probably a fashion thing because men got to do cooler stuff. Also, it was probably some uh, queer and genderqueer women uh, slash people. And they were like, you know, going, yeah, look, I'm, I'm, I'm as cool as a guy. I'm in high heels. Look at my pipe. Then... When you had the American Revolution and the uh, the French Revolution, at that point, the very wealthy who could spend a lot of time and money dressing up, you know, looking looking gorgeous, you know, men at that point wore very beautiful coloured frock coats, makeup. There was there was you know wigs. There was all sorts that was you know, very superficial and very cosmetic. If you're a revolutionary, you don't have time for that. Revolutionaries are about getting stuff done. Uh, you're you're out there with a with a musket in your hand, trying to equalize power, mm. trying to trying to get justice. And so, th at that point, masculinity eschewed the you know oh the you know the, the aristocrats. They're all they're all sitting around being fancy, and we're the real men because we're the ones taking back power and fighting for equality. It was at that point that masculinity defrocked, deflowered, de, you know, and, and at the same time, right. Queen Victoria didn't like makeup for anybody, thought it was ungodly and unnecessary and was very po-faced about it. So everyone stopped wearing makeup. And then after a while, I think Prince Albert died. She was up at Balmoral for ages and some of the women were like, She's been gone a long time. Do you think it'd be all right just to have a bit of blush? You're like a little bit of concealer. So women took makeup up again. Men never did. Then it became feminine. Really? So That's fascinating. You're not a revolutionary because you have the time to put makeup on. 
But you're completely fine to do it. But, okay, so putting that, I mean... I don't think it's unfeminist. I think caring for yourself and decorating is human. And it is human to be woman. So, you know, it's woman to be human. Like, I just... Sometimes we get so caught up in our identity, we forget that deep down in all of us is a human being, you know? And sometimes... A certain sort of man gets to be neutral and human, and that's the kind of everyman type guy that you see in movies. It's like we can all relate to Seth Rogen being a bit of a numpty, and it's not a man's movie, and it's not, a, it's just a human being. Mm. It's, you know, Jimmy Stewart, you know, It's a Wonderful Life. It's like the avatar for humanity tends to be a, a human being who is white, a human being who is masculine, a human being who is heterosexual human being who is not in a wheelchair, a human being, you know, that's uh, gender conforming, et cetera, et cetera. Um, inside every woman is a human being. I think that's why Fleabag was such a hit. Yeah. It's, I think Fleabag was such a hit. And a lot of people, oh, she's very posh. But the thing is, loads of people said, well, I'm not very posh and I feel like I'm Fleabag. Mm. I remember there was a, a man who said, oh, well, I'm a working class um, gay man in a wheelchair and I am Fleabag. Yeah. And I think... The reason, I mean, she was posh because Phoebe was, you know, not appropriating a class that she couldn't fully represent. But I don't, it's not, it wasn't about being posh and it wasn't about being female, although she is female and she doesn't throw that off like some, in some films now, like a woman, she's like, she's so feminist. She's basically a man. It's like she karate's her way out of everything. She punches her. I don't know that many women who punch their way out of situations or that good at karate. We talk our way out of situations. She's so, uh, she's unapologetically female and feminine. However, if that's not what the show's about, the show's about her humanity. Deep down, it's about the fact that deep down inside of every woman, there is a human being who wants to feed and fuck. There's a human being who is lonely, who is hungry, who is horny. And 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 we got to see the humanity. Whereas previously we'd got to see character we we got to see characters like Bridget Jones, who Bridget Jones was wonderful in her time. Like I'm not having a go at Bridget Jones, but we only got as deep as femininity as womanhood. Do you see what I mean? It's like, oh but I'm counting calories. Oh but I'm yeah. feeling like I should be more of a I should be I should be more composed or more dignified or more more of what a woman should be. And Fleabag was much more concerned with feeding her humanity than feeding an idea of womanhood. So, so, that, like, sorry, so many things, so many I know, thoughts on that. Same. Just because you're so right about characters being boxed, and I really want to talk about that because I actually think it's so interesting, but I just want to go back to something that you were talking about before with the hypocrisy and what you were saying. Like, I don't know if it's... I think maybe because we both worked in journalism before, but you obviously for a lot longer beauty, but, but still influence. Now we both work as influencers and podcasts and whatever. And I think there's a very specific view of influencers. Like it's a female led career and it's obviously considered very vacuous and silly. And it sort of is sometimes. And that's just fine. But, um, I, you get tripped up a lot. I get tripped up a lot. Like there's a lot of people who actively try and trip us up where it's like, you'll, you know, we would, you identify as a feminist or whatever, like obviously, but, and people go, oh yeah, but you did this. And so, and I wonder if that's something that you contend with, or if, because you literally start the episodes with I'm a feminist, but, and you kind of, 
not trip yourself up but yeah, you, allow like you, when for, you confess something, no one accuses you of it. Yeah, right. whereas I do. I think there's a massive pressure on yeah. a lot of women to do it all perfectly. Well, not on all women to do everything yeah. perfectly. My show but. is about, the, the thesis of my show is you don't have to be perfect to be a force for meaningful change. Yeah, but do you contend with it in your life? Do people, do you have, because I find it a lot with men who'll try and have a conversation, sometimes women who I know are projecting their own, shortcomings perhaps that they feel that they have with feminism but you get it a lot with men where they wait to catch you out on something or doing something oh well there you go you're not the feminist that you think you are occasionally it, i have to say i've been very lucky with the listeners of my show i think come in good faith yeah occasionally i notice like a week or two after an episode comes out a certain community will find out about it. I'm like, I know they're not regular listeners because they complain two weeks later en masse. Yeah. Right. Like somebody's been on Guilty Feminist Watch and then... But right. it tends not to be people in my community so much. And to be honest, like, if a men's rights activist has a go at me, they're not, they're not on my team. No. It's not hurtful. It's to be expected. Like, if you're going to be... Like, like feminism is a demand for change. The patriarchy is a demand for the status quo to get more, more samey or, in fact, even regress. I notice, though, I will say this. I don't hear any men's rights activist saying that the vote should be taken away from women. Whatever rights that existed when you were born, they're your normal. Yeah. So when further rights are applied for, people go, oh, you're asking for that? Do you see what I mean? Yeah. Um, so the the patriarchy is a demand for the status quo. Everything should stay the same. Feminism is a demand for change. And demands for change always look angrier than demands for things to stay the same. Because mm. if I say I'm comfortable here and you go, I really want to go, you're the one that has to evoke the change. I'll be like, yeah. guys, don't make such a fuss. Let's stay here. Mm. Right? So you're the fuss makers because yeah. we are where we are. So if 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 people from another team come for me, generally... If anything, that means my community will stand around me and stand up for me. So yeah. it, it, and a lot of this is about who's on your team, mm. like how your team operates. Do, are you accepted in your team? Nearly all internet politics is about making sure there's enough people around you who are going to protect you and look after you and make you feel like you're part of something. And so the internet gets very polarized, very them and us very quickly. And instead of having a nuanced conversation going, but can you see from my point of view, or can you see from the point of view of this marginalized group? Yes, but what about this marginalized group? Instead of what about how I'm feeling? In a pub, you might have an argument, but there would be all sorts of facial expressions and tones of voice that would say, I'm still a human being and you're still a human being. And on the internet, it becomes polarized very quickly. So it's, it's rare. I mean, it does happen. Sometimes people have a go at me for the strangest things. And I, you know, it, I, but it's not really from the podcast. It's something on Twitter. I, yeah. I barely yeah. go on Twitter anymore because I'm just like, it's a, it's such a flammable place. I can't. I deleted my Twitter. It's just too mean. Yeah, it's so, very mean. It's and brutal. nothing good comes of it. In yeah. my, I mean, no, that's not true. Loads of good stuff comes from it. And I learned a lot being on Twitter, but I couldn't. I couldn't wait. Yeah, I couldn't yeah. maintain it. It was just too painful. But yeah, it sounds like it's a mix of number one, I guess you expose yourself up front with like 
here are my hypocrisies with literally your tagline, which is I'm a feminist, but, and then also your community is very, is probably very au fait with the, with the nuances of feminism, whereas ours less so. But I think as well, we're, we're at a very interesting point with, with influencing as it is. I mean, because influencing in itself is a ridiculous, like, I don't think it's got a lot, lot of longevity because it's like what you said about professional womaning. It's like you put a woman up and it's just like, nobody wants her to succeed for that mm. long because we just, we're not used to it. So like there's kind of that context to everything, which just makes it incredibly uncomfortable. Yeah. But I also think we exist in a space that's like, we have to be perfect. And if you do a little bit of good, you have to do everything good. If you eat, you know, like yeah. meat-free Mondays, why aren't you a full vegetarian? Mm-hmm. If you recycle your plastic bottles, but this doesn't count because you went to the Bahamas last year. So which, it's like, we do trick Which is why I, I, come across, I come up against this question a lot because I talk a lot about body confidence and body acceptance and anti-diet culture. And on the other side, I'm obsessed with makeup and I'm, people ask me, I'm going to share it. And I like sharing it. I like talking about it. So I, I guess then that feels like a huge for people. And, and, and I, I struggle to reconcile it as well. But it's anyway, not, not going, not it. like, it's, it's not my job to answer it. No, but I think personally I struggle as well because of the beauty industry being like, you know, it upholds the patriarchy because it keeps us like busy and obedient and quiet and keeps us, you know, making pretty. ourselves look pretty, spending time and energy and money, even though that's something that I enjoy doing and is, like you said, a form of self-expression. But but I, don't, I also think people like to decorate themselves. People have tattoos. People like to do their hair in different styles. That's always been the case. Anthropologically speaking, it's always been the case that people have decorated themselves and their nest whatever that nest is. we Nobody would have a go at you because you're saying, do you know what? I really fancy new curtains in this room and I've got a great idea that I'm just going to get a big red piece of sweeping velvet because they're going to look really dramatic. No one's going to go, oh, vacuous. Yeah. But you're yeah. decorating your window. Why are you not allowed to decorate your eyes? I don't yeah. understand. How are those things different? Also, what I will say is uh, common practices uh, that are seen as femme are often diminished. And so yeah. if you're, I've, I've seen this a lot with children. It's like, she didn't want to come as a princess to this party. She insisted on coming as Spider-Man. I mean, she's just such a little feminist. I can't stop her. It is it? It's, just <laughs> like a smug, it's a smugness. Yeah. yeah. It's like she wanted to come in a masculine guise. But Elsa is, Elsa's fa- uh, you know, magical. I'm so sorry about this noise. So we're in a full bowling alley, guys. This is just. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> You're listening at home. You can probably hear a bowling alley going on in the background. <laughs> and every time they shout strike, it's a strike against the patriarchy. Let's think of it that way. Uh, superheroes often have magical powers, and so do a lot of the fairies and princesses that we see. Uh, there's equally a struggle, but but we're somehow more pleased if our little girl doesn't want to be femme. And I think... There is a right. somehow a femme as less. So here's an example. Action films tend to be better respected than romantic comedies. Yes. Yeah. So true. Because punching and shooting is better than love. Why? Yeah. Why? Well, because women tend to be the audience for lots of, obviously there's lots of gender crossover, but we think of women enjoying romantic comedies and men enjoying action films. Therefore, action films... Uh, will more likely to be discussed in a serious way on 
film podcasts um, or more likely to win things. And I'm questioning that. I remember Harry Styles saying somebody said early on, I think, when he went solo, something about all your fans being teenage girls. And he said, and why is the taste of teenage girls not as important as the taste of middle-aged right. women? Yeah. So teenage yeah. girls made the Beatles. Right. Yeah. So why why are we why are we assuming because teenage girls like something, yeah. it's not a good thing? And so I would say that in terms of makeup, it's like, well, it's so girly, it's it's unimportant. It's like, but well, why is I don't understand though. Football is so important in this country and it's given so much weight and heft because it's important to a lot of people. Like objectively, if you pull out in terms of the climate crisis, in terms of, you know, the equality, what's it really doing for the world? Well, you could say, well, as long as it's fighting for equality of players and blah, 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 whatever, whatever, whatever. Yes, women are coming up, you know, the lionesses are being taken really seriously now because they keep bringing football home where men can't, et cetera, et cetera. But ultimately, you're trying to get a ball from one end of a park to another end of a park. It's not in itself a noble goal. What you're you know, doing is you're looking at the skill of those men or women or non-binary people. Yeah. You know, that's what you're doing. But football's important because we, we decide as a society it is. And so... I, what I would suggest is that we sometimes pull back and reassess and say, if it's important to you and if it's important to other women you know, then it's important. Yeah. Where I would say it's, it's useful to reassess is if you wear high heels all the time and you find them uncomfortable, but you go, but I do it for me. I do it because I like it. I know it's patriarchal, but I do it because I like it. Well, have a little go at saying, I'm not going to wear heels for three months and I'm just going to bog standard, turn up in flats to everything and see how that feels. If at the end of three months, you really miss your heels. Then that's your choice as opposed to the conveyor yeah. belt of life pushing you ever onward, squeezing your feet into more and more painful positions. But probably at the end of that three months, if you think you can't not wear heels, at the end of that three months, you go, oh, it's really great wearing flats and actually I found some really great looks for myself. Now I'm going to wear heels when I want to, not because yeah. I think I have to. Mm. And I would say the same with makeup. I would say the same with anything you're squeezing yourself into. Have a break from it for three months and then go back to it and you will find you, there will be times when you choose it and you probably by default won't choose it all the time. That might be shaving under your arms. That might be all sorts of things that you think you do because you have to, you suspect might not be very feminist. And have a go at it. Like, I like the feeling of being waxed. I like, it makes me feel alive and ready to fight the patriarchy. Yeah, why yeah. is that? I love it. I what love the feels feeling. so good about it? Because it feels so good. It does. But what, it does. Why? It's probably it just... a bit masochistic. I don't know. But there's a feeling, it, afterwards, I feel so smooth. I feel like the... Yeah, I didn't mean the actual process of it because that I find and so, like absolutely despicable. I'm sorry, that's Bar just me. Bar <laughs> I don't, I it's bar like it. it's I don't barbaric like it. to me. I, but afterwards, no, that no, smooth no. feeling, I'm like, oh, it's just gorgeous. That's so gross. <laughs> Is it? Sorry. The, the, the action that you gave us as you shot. Uh, like the slippery. Sorry, Grace. Um, I also thought you were talking about your fanny. I, I was. Oh, I, I was, yeah. Okay, yeah. fine. Not Grace, sorry. You do what you want. You're free. I like the feeling of being, I'll tell you when I didn't like it though. In lockdown, I hadn't been waxed for so long. 
And then when we were allowed, we weren't allowed out yet, but we were allowed people in. I think you're allowed one person, you know, you're allowed to have someone come over and do your hair or you were allowed to go over and to one person yeah. before the salons were open. And I had, there's an app called Blow and there's another app called Secret Spa yeah. where people can come to your house. And I was desperate for a wax. I have never felt such pain. And it's because the longer you go without one, you're not building up that resistance. So yeah. normally if I have one every six weeks or eight weeks or something like that, mm. I don't have them all the time, but like, mm. yeah. um, you're, you get a res- build up resistance. Oh, my God, I was screaming. I was so, but mind you, the woman, because I hadn't touched it, I hadn't touched it. The woman was so happy, I can't even tell you. Uh, she was like, I've seen so many, because she was going to other people's houses, obviously everyone was desperate, who, who, everyone who likes waxing was desperate to be waxed. And she said, I've seen the worst things. She said, you've no idea what I've seen. <laughs> she said, she said, she, she said I, I'll, I'll never get over what I've seen in the last week. <laughs> she said, people have done home jobs. They've, she said, it, there's been so much rep- restoration and oh work, repair jobs. Ugh. She said, it's just been absolutely shocking. And I said, I haven't touched it. She said, that was the right thing to do. You don't shave it, no home waxing kits. Yeah, you just, just absolutely leave it, leave it. And she said, and so, so she really enjoyed it. It was like deforestation. She was, <laughs> I mean, she's there for a while. Yeah, there were little tiny elephants losing their habitat. It was <laughs> terrible. Um, but she, said you did exactly the right thing but I was screaming in pain and normally I genuinely do like the feel of a wax I'm like yeah it's bracing yeah I, I agree I, quite like, I think it's bracing it's good to feel I feel alive it's like a cold brisk like a good walk exactly like, you know like a winter's you come day your cheeks Christ- are all really rosy and exactly like, a Christmas day brisk walk that's, yeah that's the equivalent for me I really enjoy it same with my eyebrows swimming. yeah yeah well, exactly yeah going swimming in the Irish Sea it's like oh, it's good for you yeah it's bracing but it was interesting actually during lockdown just realising the my the way my mum I remember her saying at the beginning like because obviously after we realised it was going on for a few weeks because my nails were like o- overgrown, overgrown <laughs> outgrown and whatever and I hated that and then I was trying to get a home shellac kit and she was kind of like oh you know why why do you care why? and I was like I don't have a good answer for that I don't know and we were then talking about like how we'd do if we ended up in on a desert island and we were found in like a year and would you be recognizable and I think my mum is of that generation no shade because she's like the strongest woman I know best feminist in town but um about that generation where there's kind of we have a view of Botox or filler of all this of hair extensions or whatever that's like it's like a badge of honor if you're natural which obviously yeah. is impossible because you can't win because nobody wants natural because we're not good enough that's why they sell us all this shit to make us better but she, but then it was like you know would you look recognizable would you be you know if somebody co- showed up in a year would they know it was you and and it was this real smugness for every for everyone in the house like yeah turns out i am supernatural puff my eyebrows on my nails i'm whatever and it's, I found that really interesting that three, because my sister was there and my best mate, four very feminist women were still sitting there like, good for us. Yeah. Like how naturally great we are. And I hated that. As I was saying, I was like, I hate myself for this. Yeah. Like, why, why do I think I'm better than somebody that's got lip filler or Botox or whatever? But I just, maybe it's because we just like to see beautiful women become less beautiful. I don't know. <laughs> I know what you mean. And I do think all of those things, again, are... If you're doing it, I understand it. I understand it. I think as you get older, you can feel like, oh, I suddenly look less like myself. Mm. And if you're doing it to look more like yourself, we do all sorts of things. We cut our hair and colour our hair. And, you know, there are people who can't colour their hair all the time and have tattoos that then judge someone of having Botox. 
And I say, well, look, a tattoo is to make you feel on the outside more like you look on the inside. So is, you know, when if somebody's genderqueer, gender fluid, sometimes they'll do something to make themselves look on the outside more how they feel on the inside. So what I would suggest is if you feel on the outs if you feel on the inside like you you at 32 and that's the most you felt like you and then later in life you're going oh I just my face has changed shape I don't look like myself anymore um I can absolutely understand why somebody might go oh that's that makes me feel more like me I think where the problem is is when you're trying to look completely like somebody else and somebody other because you think your body needs to be engineered to look like someone you've seen on the television. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, uh, and, and again, if that's what somebody wants to do, I'm not interested in inhibiting other people's freedoms. And I think in terms of gender dysphoria, that's a completely different yeah. situation. And, and it is, it is, uh, it's, it's something that's uh, important that that person does at times. And that's between them and, yeah, that's that's that is absolutely for them to make themselves as happy and whole as possible, and it is it is not even for me to engage or comment at that at all. I just want I just want that person to be as happy and whole as possible and do what they need to do uh, in order for that to happen. Um, but I think where young women are watching the Kardashians and going, I need to look like that. That's concerning. That's concerning because. I, I just, I just think we just don't want to end up with one kind of beautiful. Yeah, it's so concerning, and I'm, I'm yeah. fucking doing it. Like I'm looking at the clips of Chloe season two coming out. Put the trailer out last night, and I was like, fucking hell! Like she looks unreal, blah blah blah. And then I was like, as I'm doing it, I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with me? Why am yeah. I doing that? Of course, like she's, she looks like a different human being. Like how sad, but I. I don't know. Really sad. Okay, so your tagline is "I'm a feminist, but." And you've had hundreds of people on your podcast and your live shows give their stories. We'd like to know what your favourite one is. What's the best one that you've heard? I'm a feminist, but... Ooh. Oh, I love this one. Alison Spittle saying, I'm a feminist, but... Uh, a girl pissed me off so much that I found out what her karaoke song was and got up and sang it before her. <gasps> oh. learnt it. She learnt it as well. Oh. She said, I learnt it so I'd be amazing at it. And that I, has got you written all over I it, said, what? I Oh said, my what God, are you joking? And she said, Proud Mary. <gasps> and she said, I practised it at home loads. Wow. And then as soon as we got to the karaoke place, I put my name down first <gasps> and got up as soon as possible so it was done. That's Isn't that diabolical? Dedication. That's diabolical. I love it. There's a lot How of amazing. gone effort. A lot of effort also, gone Proud into. Mary is a horrible song to sing on karaoke. That'd be I mean, so hard. It gets really, you know, vigorous. Proud Mary, keep on. <laughs> um, well, there's probably a karaoke bar outside if you want to, on your way out, go on a helter skelter bowling alley. There's a hundred percent a bunch to do. Um, yeah, you're getting out just before the karaoke starts. Um, I mean, it's amazing we haven't had to contend with karaoke today. I know. It's, it's, it's a one, miracle. It's the only thing that's missing. So The Guilty Feminist is about to turn seven. Do you have anything exciting coming up? Any plans? I am so glad you've asked. Ooh. Um, because we do. On the 3rd of December, we're doing a show called Camp as Christmas. The Guilty Feminist presents Camp as Christmas. It's a full LGBTQ plus lineup. I'm co-hosting with Tom Allen. Susie Ruffles doing it. Larry Dean's doing it. Rosie Jones is doing it. Sophie Duke is doing it. 
And uh, there's some also big names that we're putting in the diary right now. Very, very exciting. And all the proceeds for that show go to Say It Loud, Say It Loud Club. And that is run for and by LGBTQ plus refugees fleeing homophobic uh, oppression. So uh, get your rainbow on and come down to that one because we're going to have the night of our lives. And there'll also be people from Say It Loud on stage talking about what they do. Um, but it's just a big queer celebration. Once a very important human rights activist told me the three things you need is resistance, resilience, and joy. And joy is the one that most people leave out. And so this is a place to come and refuel with joy, laughter, Campus Christmas on December 3rd at South Bank Centre. But you can get tickets for all of these things, as well as our upcoming King's Place shows and other events around the country at guiltyfeminist.com. Um, thank you so much for being here and for talking to us. I'm sorry for everything. <laughs> Should I delete that is part of the ACAS Creator Network. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum.